0: So what do you guys do on Sunday nights? I, I have like a Sunday scary problem. I get really stressed out. Even though teaching has been going great this year, I still Sunday night, I get like inexplicably stressed out. And I, I got to resort to watching like YouTube travel videos and sort of escaping to another place and watching people wander around the streets of Japan and eat food. So I'm wondering, maybe you can give me some tips. How do you guys decompress on a Sunday night so I can do something besides just stare at YouTube?
1: I feel like I'm like always the type to be like, all right, it's Sunday. Let me reset. Let me just get my stuff together for the week. I kind of like mentally prep. I give myself like an hour max. I don't actually do like work stuff. I think about, okay, what do I have to do tomorrow? And I do my to do list. So I wait tomorrow morning when I get to work. I'm like, oh, like everything's great, blah, blah, blah. Let me just get stuff done. So I dedicate an hour to like doing that. But then afterwards, I just, shut down everything like i'm in bed i watch my house of the dragon because i'm so excited i love house of the dragon so i've been really into that so like that's my look forward to on sunday nights lately so i gotta find a new show now that today's like the last episode but i usually pick a show and then after that that's all i do and that's my unwind because then i feel good i'm like oh now i don't have to think about anything else for the rest of the day for the rest of the night and just enjoy
0: that's very nice. Apparently, the ending got leaked. I don't know if you saw that. You got to be careful on the internet.
1: Yeah, I already saw a lot of spoilers, but like, I want to watch it still anyway, so it's fine. But Just... I I heard it wasn't the best. I heard but... it was like season eight Game of Thrones bad writing.
0: Oof! So. Oof! The dragon was in the house all along.
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh, dragon was in the
0: house. Fire, what do you, what do you do? How do you unwind? You know, it strike me as a Sunday scary guy. Are you a Sunday scary guy? <sighs>
2: Not so much. I mean, I've had, I've battled with it many, many a time, the Sunday Night Blues. But usually, well, in the fall, it's watching football. That's kind of my Sunday unwind routine. Aside from that, usually it's just visiting my dad or playing golf or, I don't know, doing something outside, you know, just kind of, just kind of uh, trying to live, live life, you know, life is for the living. You got to get out there and live.
0: That's nice. The hands-on, you're actually doing something, which is probably better than me just festering on the couch.
2: Yeah, yeah. That might be a good, um, that's a good takeaway. That's a good reflection there. Because then you feel good for the week, you know? It's like, all right, I'm doing stuff. Um, tomorrow I'm going to do stuff. We're going to do stuff all week. And make it happen.
0: I'm going to do that tonight. Tonight, instead of... Watching travel videos, which YouTube specifically now only thinks I want to watch people eat food, which is weird. Like I like like Anthony Bourdain type stuff where you're traveling and eating. But now YouTube is just like, yo, you want to watch this people eat cereal? <laughs> I'm like, no, not really. But maybe, yeah, that's my plan tonight. I'm gonna report back next two weeks from now, next podcast, instead okay. of festering on the couch, fermenting like a sad sack, watching travel videos. Tonight, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a thing. I'm gonna go do into my thing. yard. Maybe yeah. I'll I'll build a Lego or, uh, I don't know, throw rocks at my neighbors, but I'm going to do a thing.
2: Well, good morning, everybody, and happy October. You're probably, hopefully you're at the end of the first quarter of your school year. I know we just wrapped up our first quarter, so... You could do this three more times, right? You did one quarter, you could do three more. That's no, no problem. Well, I'm Scott Feireisen with you as always. This is the Teach4x Network podcast. And with us this morning, the, the steely-eyed missile man himself, Eric Johnson. What's going on, Eric?
0: Not much, Mr. Eisen. I'm feeling awake. I've got a Dixie cup full of like some sort of creme brulee flavored coffee. It says currently caffeinating. Yesterday, I had one that said, yes, queen. Today, I'm currently caffeinating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll be a boss B. We'll see what the next coffee cup says.
2: Where are, you, where are you getting these coffee
0: cups? Uh, this was from Walmart. There's, I, I've been hitting up. I got a sink issue in my kitchen, so I got to use disposable dishes. I'm not normally a disposable guy. All right. I, I don't want you know some turtle choking on this coffee cup or whatever. However, the last two Target trips, there's been no disposable coffee cups. I don't know. There's maybe a Target shortage. I hit up the big W Walton family. They hooked me up with these. They're kind of small, but again, they got the cute phrases on them. Currently caffeinating, so that's me currently caffeinating. All well,
1: those are the ones we have in the office.
0: Oh really? Well, I definitely didn't just steal like five or six from work so I could get through the weekend. No, that's you'd not never do that. absolutely not. You'd
2: never do that. There's a lot to unpack there from that statement, but we gotta we gotta get Miss Worlache in here, Jessica. How are you doing today?
1: I am spunded. I went to a Halloween party yesterday. It was fun. Me and William were SpongeBob and DoodleBob. It was a cute costume. We forgot to take pictures, but it was fun. It was great. But this morning, I feel like I'm just waking up, getting ready to start my day. The first thing I'm ready to do is start a podcast this morning.
0: <laughs> what about you, Fire? Scott, Fire Eisen, I, I what do you got cooking, man?
2: Well, you know, uh, Friday we had the big senior night football game. So that was a lot of running around and uh, it was quite a load off. So after that, I was uh, a lazy lazy bones yesterday and uh went out to eat with my wife Had a little dinner dinner date that's always a good idea you gotta date your date your wife date your spouse and then today i've got some rousing football games to watch maybe go see my dad and yeah i'm just kind of just chilling you know
0: vibing we got some good autumnal vibes here some jolly educators you know, sometimes this year I'm feeling pretty broken down, but it's nice to see. You know, I, I've I've got some some good vibes cooking in here. That's great.
1: I feel like the weather has been really helping. Like yesterday and today are gorgeous out. Like right now, the sun is glistening on my face. I feel alive. Like it's it's great. The weather's been great.
2: Yeah, Eric, you got creme brulee coffees or something? Tell me more about this bougie coffee that you got. What's going on over
0: there? Uh, so I got some like dank ground Starbucks coffee that kind of tasted like cigarettes. Now I. <laughs> I accept all kinds of coffee. I'll drink cheap coffee, expensive gas station, hipster, yeah. pour over, you know, whatever. You're very,
2: yeah, you're very inclusive with your coffee.
0: Yeah, exactly. Equitable coffee drinking. Yeah. And I saw this Starbucks, you know, it was on sale. It was their regular, like store roast. And I'm like, okay, it'll just taste like I'm getting Starbucks. Sure. But it tastes like cigarettes to like a high degree, to like a strange, like, do I call this in degree? Like was someone smoking at the coffee factory? It's gnarly. And the house smells like the house gets like a like a sort of like eastern european bus station smell when i make it so i grabbed something flavored because i thought at least it would smell nice you know i don't have to worry about my bird's tiny lungs inhaling this weird cigarette smoke scented coffee so this it's like creme brulee it's an autumn thing it's a fall thing i don't know if it's exactly creme brulee it's like a caramel caramel rum raisin autumn leaf red vista you know, East Coast main hike, it's something like that, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah. I like how you included all the fall autumn buzzwords all yeah. in all one. That was yeah, that was pretty good.
0: Uggs and leggings, girl, right. caffeinate, caffeinate queen. You know, that's gonna be my new persona, I think. Like I I I'm unleashing my inner white girl on the world, so watch out, ladies, because here comes Erica. Oh, <laughs>
1: um, it's probably because. Taylor Swift just released a new album yesterday.
0: Dude, or, it's boring. I listened to it. Do, do you like it? It's there's one good song. What's the good song? Anti-hero.
1: Anti-hero is so good. It's my favorite one off the album.
0: Yes, Queen. That's the only oh. good one, though. The rest are boring. I I, are, I don't know. But it,
1: meh. But yeah, no, anti-hero, bop. I love that. Like Fire, you have to listen to it now. Like you have to come to this conclusion that it is also a bop.
2: Okay. Got it. A bop? What what is
1: a bop, like it's a bop, like you. Okay. You like like it, a jam. Like you know, Got it's it. Jam, it's
2: great. Okay. It's a bop. All right. Bop. Well, here we are at Teach4X. You know, learning all the time. I just learned what a what a bop is, and we like to discuss teaching and learning here on the Teach4X Network. We are a uh, digital professional development on-demand professional development service focused on the four pillars of education, which are community curriculum technology and leadership. So today we are talking about uh, you know trying to improve one of the the awful realities of education. We deal with so much we we're confronted with a lot of traumatic experiences, a lot of you know emotional ups and downs and we all know that uh, dealing with that is just part of being an educator. And uh, one of the things that we all have to deal with unfortunately are regular, staff meetings so i think we've all had traumatic yeah i know i saw you there eric sorry i didn't mean to i was sure i should have prepped you more i should have yeah prepped i you need a trigger for, warning
0: on that yeah
2: but yeah we're going to talk about how maybe we can make some meetings better what do you as an educator want out of your standard routine staff meetings so this would be like the routine ones right so we're talking the weekly whatever whatever that you've got to sit through so we're just Kind of talking about what you want to see from meetings, professional developments, in-house gatherings that, you know, we all have to sit through. So what do you think, uh, Mr. Johnson?
0: So I guess we'll try to keep this positive. You know, a lot of meetings, I feel, and this is the old cliche, could really just be an email. I I think maybe the issue really remains that a lot of people don't look at their email.
2: Email is the worst form of communication. Email is a terrible form of communication
0: and that's fair but a, a lot of this stuff i would love just you know shoot me some bullet points and and tell me what i got to do and and this really leads into my beef with a lot of meetings and and this is a trend that i've noticed seeping into education like a small leak in a, a rural septic tank and that's this idea of like fake consensus building where oh, the yeah yeah, and, and, and I, I can see the discomfort on your face already, Fire, because I feel like you might be as equally bothered by this as me. This idea that a meeting has been called, the folks calling the meeting know the conclusions that they want us to reach or the deliverables they want us to to produce like the ask is known what is going to be asked of us is known but we pretend that we don't know what the outcome of the meeting is supposed to be and go through a song and dance where we uh, are tricked into coming to like a consensus based on looking at data or going through a protocol or having a very structured almost scripted conversation to ruse us as educators into coming up with whatever the boss just wanted to tell us to do in the first place and i've seen this problem not just in, in teacher meetings but but in meetings at other jobs as well where these meetings are called folks running the meeting know what they want but instead of just directly asking you they try to trick you into coming to that same conclusion and you know quite frankly if if you were in say a relationship or marriage and you handled the conversation that way i mean i think that would be viewed as like manipulative and borderline abusive right and you know to me as a professional it's almost patronizing all right sorry this is getting negative but it's patronizing to me when you call me into a meeting for an hour or god forbid it's like a day of in school PDs, And, you know, they're all oriented around some idea, but, you know, 60 of the 90 minutes are pretending that we're inventing the idea that's already been figured out in the first place. And I would just like to be told what to do. You know, just ask me what to do. Make sure it's within the bounds of the union contract, of course, but then just tell me what to do. I I don't want to come up with the idea for you. And then, God forbid, you come up with something else and it's not what they wanted. And then you just get shot down and you feel like a fool.
2: So, why do you think that? Process exists. Why do you think that happens?
0: Some MBA came up with this as a way to get employee buy in, right? I, th- I think somebody at some point thought okay, well, if your employees come up with the idea like if they feel invested or feel like they created it they're going to want to do it which is true but instead of you know having me pretend to come up with something that you've already come up with empower me to actually be creative at, at my job but the challenge there is you know oftentimes and this is this is a just a job issue in general it's not just a teaching issue but when employees do come up with things that they're really excited about or invested in oftentimes they're met with disdain from the bosses, right? And there's this, you know, sort of the tallest blade of grass gets cut situation where high flyer employees or employees that come up with cool ideas and get really invested in it when it's their idea, not the boss's idea gets shut down, right? But I think it's the idea is to answer your question. I think that the thought is they think that's going to make us want to do it more than us just being asked to do it.
1: Yeah. And also goes back to the illusion of choice, right? Like it gives you these illusion that you are, Like partaking in this process, that your voice actually has a definite say in what's going to happen in this school. But in reality, the strings are already being pulled. Like the strings are already set. They align to whatever plan or mission that any administrator has. And then they're like, okay, well, let's tell them that they have to do this, but not tell them that they have to do this so they don't get angry with us. You know, and I would, I think, respect it more if they would just be like, look, here's the plan. Here's Here's the organizational chart. Here is the like steps that are needed to take to get here. You you know, you could choose what you want to do, but this is what we are doing. I feel like that would be more respectable in the long run. Like I would be like, okay, I can get behind that. You know, you have a mission, you have a plan, it's organized, you have a clear path and steps that you need to take to get there. And yeah, I think that's really what I always crave in terms of like professional development type stuff is like organization. Like I need to see the plan. Like I need to know exactly, you know, where we're going so I can have buy-in
0: yeah and that plan should be succinct too you know i don't need a 40 page google doc you know if if they if the boss needs to have a 40 page google doc to rationalize their decision that's fine Mm
1: -hmm. but give me the
0: bullet points give me the goals give me how it aligns to the school and tell me what to do i'd I'd be curious fire what's your take on this Are, are you in the same boat are you as bothered by this as as maybe we are
2: yeah yeah it's it's very bothersome it's hard because then you it's like railroading both ways and it's kind of damned if you do damned if you don't because then if you just say here's what we're doing and here's why we're doing it then people say well how come this wasn't brought to me earlier and i didn't have a chance to say and it's like well you didn't have anything productive to say that's why nobody asked you (laughs) yeah um so there's some of that but i to your point i mean you guys are all you're spot on with everything but it all has to happen like it's about the timeline as well. You know, like there's a time and place for the, hey, what do you think about how we should approach this? Or like, hey, and then everybody writes down on the thing what their idea is. But that should be happening like a year before actually like putting it in play, you know? And too many times I feel it's as though, all right, we're gonna have the meeting today. What? Do, here's the problem. What do you think? And we already have the solution. And then, okay, and obviously you're going to arrive at our solution because we're going to talk about it for 10 minutes. It's not like we're really going to unpack this or anything. right? And then right. I think that plays a lot into the school year too, which is weird, is that we have this bizarre, arbitrary school calendar where where we're all operating in this weird timeline, you know, where it's got to be done by June or it's got to be done by because then everything resets in August, and then it's it's kind of weird, I think.
0: The timeline is a big issue, Fire, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that, because, you know, and I'm sure it happens at different schools in, in our district, before the school year starts, we have a week of PD, where all this stuff is, you know, we try to figure it all out, and maybe we have some meetings at the end of the year, too, right? And at the end of the year, it's almost not soon enough to be thinking about the stuff for the school year. It's, it's like everybody's trying to just finish the school year and and survive that last stretch and people are burned out and tired. And then the week before, well, people have been planning over the summer and like already have their stuff figured out. And that's too late to change stuff or implement these practices. And then we end up doing meetings in during the school year But, you know, when that seventh period for 50 minutes after you've been teaching for four hours before and you haven't gone to the bathroom or had your chance to cry in your car yet, you know, it can be really hard to do that high level stuff in the middle of a school day, it it, it almost would be nice if we, we spread out that PD week over the summer where you had like an hour every day for, you know, three or four weeks or something, or there was, you know, some sort of mid-year break, something crazy like that. But that, that schedule constraint you mentioned, I think is really fascinating and maybe the crux of the issue with, with this complaint.
2: Yeah. 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 It's bizarre. I don't, um, but you know, everybody has to deal with it. I like the, although I've never been a part of it as a teacher, I like the idea of the Monday like the Monday morning meeting block. I know schools do that where they just knock everything out and, you know, two and a half hours Monday morning or Wednesday morning or something. And then there's a shortened schedule or an adjusted schedule after that. Yeah, Um, But yeah, when things are just wedged into the, the school day. It's so bizarre.
0: No, it's, it's tough. Uh, and Jess, you know, something that you have, I, I see on the show notes here, and and I think this kind of goes hand in hand about what we're supposed to talk about in these meetings. And, and this really resonated with me as well.
1: Uh, yeah. So one of my biggest like gripes with meetings sometimes is the, I guess the process, like we were just talking about, is that they make us do this entire processes and make us go through the data and like look at all the numbers, come to the conclusion, conclusions, but the conclusions are always going to be the same, right? Oh, this one group needs more focus, right? Or we need to focus on this group or this is what's happening. We see a decline in attendance. Okay, cool. The conclusions are obvious. Why are you making me come up with these conclusions if you already got to them yourself? If you, I I think it goes back to that, like getting buy-in, seeing the numbers up front, but I am not, a data analyst i'm sorry that's not my job like it's a very hard job to be a data analyst so i don't want to do that on top of my already teacher duties on my already regularly scheduled teacher duties so i really have a gripe when they give us like all these data charts like all these colors and then we have to come to our own conclusions and then what do we get from the data and i'm like well you could have just told me what we already got from the data you could have told me which groups we need to focus on or what we need to, what issue is arising in our school. Tell me what we need to, or tell me what it is that we need to like fix or get started on in terms of projects. And then I can come up with a plan, all right? So we are wasting time, school time, because like you guys said, we have this weird arbitrary calendar that doesn't really allow us a lot of meeting time, except for like in the middle of the day, right? So now I have to stop my whole routine of my day of my teaching and responsibilities, come to this meeting, analyze this data. And there's not even anything that I can really do with it yet. You know, it's only coming to the conclusion. And then the next part is now let's come up with a plan when we could have just come up with a plan in the first meeting, you know? So I think that's really my biggest gripe is because I, don't want to waste time doing this if someone else can already do it like why do I have to sit here and analyze this stuff when we have someone on our payroll who is who's meant to do that you know so I personally would love 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 to see just the charts right I would I would still look at them you know be like okay cool makes sense the conclusions All right. Oh, admin, here are the conclusions. Attendance is down 13%. What's the game plan? And then the whole meeting is about game plan. Okay, what can we do to help with attendance? Or what can we do to help our focus groups in which we need to get their scores up or something like that? I would much rather do that than sit there and analyze data. And then the next meeting a month later, we got to come up with a plan, you know?
0: Makes sense
2: to me. Makes sense to me. We gotta put you in charge of more stuff.
1: I'm tired. I can't be more in charge of stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah, we should you should get your principal certificate. You could be an AP, Jess.
1: Yeah, honestly. I just
0: AP yeah. Jess.
2: That's who that's who you would be. You'd be AP Jess.
1: Oh my God!
2: just podcast.
0: I think um, my my beef with looking at data in meetings beyond you know this this thread where we like to just kind of be told what the ask is and what the conclusions are is I find it hard to identify with just purely quantitative data, especially. And I think anecdotal data from our own classrooms or from students stopping into meetings, just narratives of the issue. I think that's a lot easier to to jump onto and determine action items from. I would love to hear more about what's happening happening in individual teachers' classrooms and the challenges or things that they have that are going well, or have the opportunity to talk about what's going on in my classroom and the challenges I'm facing, the lessons that have gone well, and using that anecdotal data as um, the driving force be- behind instructional decisions and and sort of administrative decisions. And then just having that quantitative data as a backup, right? That's, that's the 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 hard information that can back up and rationalize our decisions, but when talking about this stuff, I think anecdotal data would be a lot more powerful to look at.
2: Yeah, that makes sense, especially in what we do, where the anecdotal data, you know, it's all about the student experience, and that is very hard to uh, to quantify. But if you just, you know, ask a student what their experience was, they'll tell you. They'll tell you whether it stunk or it was awesome, or they feel great, or it was whatever. So. Yeah, that's where that, you know, using that qualitative and, and putting that in front of staff. So you could start to develop some sort of a response. Yeah, I don't know why I, I don't, it seems like one of those weird, obvious questions. Like why, why have a meeting where you put all the bar charts in front of everybody again? Why are we do this again? Um, one of the better things I think is instead of the grade level stuff is just your students. I feel like that's a a much better approach if you are going to do the the hardcore quantitative stuff is then well then just show me my kids the kids in my classroom i don't want to look at the entire sophomore class i can't i can't you know i could barely i could barely help the 30 kids in class much less you know i'm i'm in charge of the reading program for 800 kids and they're all below reading level like i I can, yeah, they all need to be better at reading. I don't know. That's my conclusion. That's what the data tells me. So, yeah, that could be very frustrating.
0: Yeah. You, you When it's so large scale, you kind of dissociate from it a little bit. You know, it's when you hear the news and it's talking about like global warming, for example, it seems like such a big problem. How in God's name could I do anything about that? But mm-hmm. then you hear about something small. Oh, you know, I don't know the... The lake in your community is drying up. Okay, well, maybe I can do something about that, right? And I, I think it's the same fire. I, I I really appreciate that. That stuff about your students. And we've done meetings like that at our school. And and those always stuck out to me where you get, you know, some crazy spreadsheet and it's all your kids. And right. you can see their scores or where they're struggling or when we are doing anecdotal like SEL surveys to, again, our students, I, I find I get a really good barometer of what's going on in the school building when I pull just my kids and those are just the kids that bother to take the survey. And I've learned some amazing and some shocking things when you speak directly to the kids because they're going to tell you really what's going on. And, and I think that that like local to you in the school building information, I, I think that's that's the best. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, and then that kind of ties in with what I like to see from meetings. The local data or your classroom or your student's data facilitates, you know, better actionable steps, I feel like. You know, if I see, okay, here's where this student is at with my class, okay, whether it's good or bad or otherwise... I could then immediately say, all right, well, tomorrow I'm going to do this. So I think that the actionable steps, that's what I need to see from meetings that many times I don't see. If I'm going to sit through 40, 45 minutes, I mean, if that's the work that it takes or that's what we have to do to develop a game plan or to communicate the game plan, you know, a lot of meeting is just the communication, just having everybody be on board and and be there and hear the same message. But then at the end, it's got to be something actionable. It's got to be, you know, all right, Eric, you're going to work on such and such. And we're going to meet up in two weeks and can't wait to hear what happens. You know, there's got to be some kind of thing to go do. Otherwise, yeah, what did I literally sit through this meeting for? I don't I don't know. So I like the idea of the actionable stuff. And then that's where, you know, just kind of like what you were saying, just let people know what they need to do and then let them go do it. I feel like that's supposed to be your job as a leader. I think that's, but it could be easier said than done, I suppose.
0: Jess is a course team lead. Jess, when you, you know, I'm trying to think back to my team, my time when I was on your team last year. Do you, do you give people action steps like that? I feel like a lot of times you just did the work yourself, which also is appreciated. But do you find yourself giving teachers stuff to do at the end of your meeting?
1: Sometimes. It depends on what we're working towards. So like recently we've been working towards like collecting data over a certain like thing that we're doing, not to get too specific. But yeah, I I guess I do, but I also like give course team time to do it, you know? So if I tell everyone like, hey, grade this one common assessment, you know, we'll have a course team day to do it. Right. In class, that's all we're doing is grading. And you know, that way we can all kind of talk to each other while we're doing that. And then the next course team would be like, all right, now it's time to collect the data. So I need you guys to input your scores onto this thing you know, so I do just tell people like, okay, this is what we're doing. So we can get to this. So you have to do this and this and this, but I also give course team time to do it. So I feel like that would be beneficial too. Like, honestly, like I feel like if administrators said, all right, here are the results of our data. Let's come up with a plan this meeting, next meeting, we're going to sit down and do it. And then we'll collect data again, and go over another act the next action plan or like see the results and then go off of that that sounds so effective and i just feel like they'd never do that like if we do get action items it's like all right we'll find time to do this too good luck bye yeah and then it's like okay cool now how am i supposed to do this but if you like Told me, okay, Tuesday, we're going to have this meeting where we're coming up with a plan to target these students. On Thursday, we are going to implement that plan. We're all going to gather together. We're going to implement that plan, and we're going to do it. And then the next meeting is going to be looking at the results. Cool. I can get behind that. But all this other frivolous stuff that doesn't really add to like action items or actually putting forth the effort to make the changes, I think is all just frou-frou and nah. And I'm all for frou-frou sometimes, you know, I'm like a frou-frou girl sometimes. I'm like, all right, I love this stuff, you know, but other times I'm like, you know, let's cut to the chase.
2: Agreed. Yeah, look at you. Well, so when are you frou-frou? I want to hear more about the frou-frou, when you're frou-frou. The frou-frou and you're...
1: like the little like, like very... God, I don't even know how to describe it. Johnson, do you feel like you know what I'm talking about?
0: No. Are you talking about like in terms of teaching or running your team or are you just scrapbooking and have like a little stamp collection where you put the ink on the stamp and make a greeting card?
1: Yeah, like I'm like a little like, I'm like kind of like a scrapbook, like frou-frou type, you know, sometimes. So I feel like, sometimes I can get behind that and other times when it's not necessary. Oh no, we need to move it along. I'm not about to stop what I'm doing to do this little extra cutesy thing. You know, okay. I, I need to move, you know? Okay.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So like the, so the, you know, like the cutesy department competition where we're going to do a little cutesy, you know, we're all gonna, yeah.
1: got it. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I can get behind it where I'm like, oh, this is cute. I love this. But other times mm. I'm like, we need to put stuff into action.
2: Yeah, it's too much work. Even my me.
1: voice changed in that. Did you see like, oh, yeah. okay, and then right. oh, action. Right. I got scared.
2: Yeah, yeah um, my voice. Voice inflection is very important. Very important. Yeah, Yeah. we should have a Teach4X module, a Teach4X unit on that on voice voice inflection. inflection. Yeah,
1: it's actually funny. Speaking of professional development, when we had to do an action item of like calling home to certain students that we were targeting, which I actually thought was very productive. And I thought was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. So I really enjoyed that. They said, okay, here's our plan. We're going to take this list of students who need intervention and everyone's gonna pick five kids and phone call home and log it. Okay, I can get behind that, makes sense. Cool, got it. So it was funny because I was doing that. I was doing my action items and I'm on the phone and I'm like, Hi, my name is Jessica Wirache. I'm calling from this high school for your student. And one of our newer co workers goes, Who was that? I have never heard that voice before in my life. You sounded so sweet. And I was like, What do you mean? And my voice was like deeper. And I was like, What do you mean? <laughs> so inflection. Flux- is important.
0: When you call parents, Jess, it sounds like it could be like Brittany calling from like the local nail salon or something. I'm just calling to verify your appointment.
1: <laughs> yes, you're right. I, I hate it. I don't know why I do it. It's my customer service voice. Like yeah. there's, I just don't know what it is. It's the inflection of my voice that goes like, hi, my name is Jessica. And I firmly believe that when I was doing like cold call sales, The reason that I was able to get like very high numbers is because I sounded like that. And my name was like, I was like, hi, my name is Jessica. And then people would be like, oh, hi, I trust you.
0: (laughs) You should try that instead of, you know, you talk about your Mexican mother teaching methods. You should try like doing like the basic white girl voice for a full class period and see, see which uh, turns in more results from the students.
1: I don't think I can hold that voice longer than like a five minute conversation. Hmm. I feel like after while the, the, the Mexican deep voice mother and especially my throat is kind of sore today. So I feel like I'm even deeper. Like, I'm like, Oh, what's up guys.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, me and fire. will try it. We'll report back. We'll do the, the basic white girl nail salon voice for a class period. Well, just like I
2: said, we're gonna, we're gonna, we identified an an area of concern. We're going to try something. We're going to gather the data. then we're going to see how it goes so we will report back on how the the bougie white girl instructional methods how that works
0: there we go that's how it's (laughs) done today we're talking about your constitution project
1: i feel like if i went in there and like into my class any day of the week and started doing that they'd be like who is this person what did you do with my teacher like they would start to revolt they'd be like yeah they'd be
2: confused they'd be very confused
1: and then the night, I should do it. And then the next day, just go back to normal. Be like, hey, yeah. everyone, what's up? Like, <laughs> And then they'd be like, what the heck? Wow. I don't think I could keep character for that long, though. I would laugh. I'd be like, oh, my God.
2: That'd be tough, for sure. That'd be tough.
1: It's funny because my, my Spanish-speaking students also say that I uh, sound very different in Spanish than I do English. One of them told me during class, he goes, oh, my God, Miss H, if you were scary in Spanish, you are 10 times scarier in English. And I was like. You're right, though. Wow.
0: can you cool. could you do the podcast outro today in Spanish? That would be sick. Oh my god. We're gonna, we're putting you on the spot here. Maybe you while are, you think about you. it, think about that one, Jess. And then fire, what's our conclusions for the day? What have we come to? I'm gonna watch Jess translate this on the doc while you share what we've okay. decided.
2: <laughs> so I will let me <laughs> let me unpack what we or unpack and then repack what we repack. Concluded. So the cold data specifically of not your students is a big stinker. When having a meeting, you got to have some sort of action item when you leave or like a task or something we're all going to do this thing. We want to avoid we want to avoid wasting time trying to get everybody to come to the conclusion that we've already come to right? So if there's a decision that's been made, just say, here's the decision that's been made and why, and here's your role. And here's what we're doing going forward, as opposed to kind of selling or trying to get people on board when it's already, you know, the ship has already left.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. I think that was enough time for Jess to Google translate the teach four X outro.
1: So my secret is I always Google translate everything just to reaffirm my Spanish speaking skills. Gracias por su atención. Califica y comente en Spotify y Apple Podcasts. Si desean ponerse en contacto con nosotros o quieren hacernos una pregunta a través de Spotify, pueden hacer eso o enviarnos un correo electrónico a teach4xcontact at gmail.com.
0: (laughs) Adiós. See you later,
2: everybody.